And we're back. It's March. This is the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast. My name is Justin here in Los Angeles, joined by Jason in the Sonoran Desert. And yeah, in light of, of the world, how it is now, we're going to be changing things up a little bit. We're going to be keeping things uh, more frequent and more loose. That's right. I think that, um, it, yeah, it bears a little bit of uh, explanation to start off this, this episode. Um, we have all sorts of segments that are in various stages of production for what we were going to consider just the next season of the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions podcast. And uh, that stuff will, of course, find its way into the podcast. But in light of the general weirdness that everybody's experiencing, uh, certainly Justin and I have been feeling it. We've been texting back and forth. The idea kind of came up, what if we just hit up transmissions with a loose approach and we just kind of talk about what we've been experiencing and listening to and reading and watching and uh, kind of have something in the in the in the background of this bizarre crisis, this sort of dystopian sci-fi novel that we all of a sudden find ourselves living in. Right. Uh, we, we thought it'd be good to to um, increase the frequency of the podcast and and talk to the audience, you guys and gals, a little bit more uh, frequently and with sort of a looser approach. So we hope that, that that you guys get as much out of this conversation as we get out of making it. I think that's the that, that sounds that sounds about right, right? Justin? Yeah, that's the general drift. So, sci-fi reality. Our friends over at the Night Call podcast. I think that's maybe their ta- their tagline. You know, uh, right? A, a reference to the fact that we live in sort of a a sci-fi reality these days. Uh, it's isn't it? It's it's been really strange to uh, to realize how so much of our popular fiction has if not prepared us for this moment, sort of acclimated us to it. Justin, what have, what have you been thinking about as you've been, you know, yeah, that, refreshing exactly the endless, right. The endless scroll. Yeah. What have you been thinking about? What, what works of fiction and ideas have been popping into your brain? You know, the, the thing that has been just running through my head since all this stuff really kicked into gear is how eerily familiar and surreal the news sounds right now as someone that has ingested a lot of sci-fi uh, dystopian future uh, media over the years, whether it be books or films. And yeah, it, it's why, you know, watching the news, it's almost as if they're going through a playbook of, uh, of tropes for things that would, that would go down. And yeah, I know you and I texted about this, but I think one of the the first quote unquote grown up books I remember reading when I was maybe thirteen was Stephen King's The Stand, which if you haven't read it, it's it's about the fallout uh, of a global flu pandemic that wipes out ninety eight percent of the world's population. And obviously, there's been countless books about that same topic, but it's been nothing if not surreal. Yeah. So. I have never actually read The Stand. Stephen King, uh, the only Stephen King book I've read is On Writing, his uh, his how-to sort of guide. And uh, right. I really like it. It's a, fantastic, uh, it's a fantastic resource. But I've never actually dug into King's fiction. I've consumed stuff, of course, through movie adaptations because 
I don't know. It feels like every fourth movie that came out in the nineties and, well, and sure. a lot of the eighties was, you know, was a Stephen King adaptation. But as far as the stand goes, what sort of part of the apocalypse is it set in? Is it set in after sort of society's collapse or, uh, yeah. or is it as, it, the, as it's collapsing? Yeah, it, it's after the collapse and it's dealing with uh, societal collapse and how people are dealing with the confusion and the questions and you know, where do we go from here? Uh, that's obviously a, an, an extreme example, but again, being one of the the first adult books that I recall reading, it certainly left. Yeah, that left stuff. A mark, that stuff gets but, in you pretty, especially when you when you're young. You know, I've been yeah. thinking a lot about. That this is not uh, this is not hard sci-fi or very intelligent sci-fi, but I've been thinking a lot about Terminator Two, which was like my favorite movie when I was a kid, uh-huh. and I used to think. Um, as a kid, like, man, it's going to be so cool when the apocalypse happens because it's going to be like, you know, Mad <laughs> Max and it's going to be, uh, and it's funny that, that you can have that kind of like daydream when you're a kid because precisely, I think because it feels so, um, unlikely, you know? And then as you get older, um, right. I think right now, everybody I know is experiencing it to one degree or another, you realize like, the, the, the system is a lot more tenuous than you thought. Um, and, the, and that feeling that you took yes. that, that feeling of reassurance and, uh, this is never going to happen. That sensation really starts to go away as you get older and you realize just how, uh, likely or possible it is for things to happen, you know? And so I, I think that, I've been thinking a lot about that when I think about the, the kind of popular, you know, the Blade Runner, sort of scenarios and, mm-hmm. and, and everything else. Our friend William Tyler sent an email out and he talked about how it, you know, it rained a lot in the Southwest this week. Uh, it rained a lot in California, in LA, right? Yeah. It's been raining. Well, it, it just led up this morning, but, yeah. uh, yeah, for Southern California, it's been a deluge. We've, we've been, it's been similar here in, in Arizona and, I think that when it's raining like that and you're, and you're refreshing this bad news, you know, in your, in your feeds, it, it all does add up to this feeling of extreme, extremely abnormal sort of, uh, uh, scenario seeming to, to go down. Did, so I, I'm curious about something like the stand and I've seen a bunch of people who I think contagion is one of Netflix's top, uh, <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Netflix's top screened movies. Uh, The idea of watching that movie right now, I don't know if I've ever seen Contagion, but the idea of watching it sounds terrible to me. I can't imagine why anybody would want to escape into that nightmare. But at the same time, maybe it makes sense in some way. Has something like The Stand, has thinking about it, uh, well, have you revisited it? Have you you cracked your your copy or or anything like that? I'll tell you, I haven't read that. Again, I read it when I was a... A kid or a young teenager, but I haven't reread it in full probably since then. And Contagion, I know you said you haven't seen that, but that is an eerily prescient yeah. film, the way it unfolds. And I think it came out maybe nine years ago, but yeah, I, I did notice that it had been trending in terms of the digital streams. But I read something recently online where I think they, they interviewed, um, someone involved with production and for that film they were very on top of consulting the scientific community really trying to to get it right what would go down 
which here we are nine years later. Yeah, so so and, people uh, might be watching it less for uh, entertainment or escape value and more as a as kind of a resource, almost a, a not not a comfort, perhaps, but at the same yeah. time, like uh, having some idea what could happen is maybe inherently more comforting than having no idea what could happen. You know. I've been thinking a lot about over the last, you know, couple of weeks, actually, I've been working my way through Octavia Butler's, uh, the parable of the sower, her kind of like masterpiece sci-fi novel, which I had, had never read because, um, I, I realized really in the last, you know, f- three or four years that I had a, a, some, some grounding in actual hard sci-fi. And I, and I certainly had read my share of like Arthur C. Clarke and Asimov and Bradbury as a kid, but, but, but I kind of didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. keep up on it as much, you know, and uh, in recent years I've found myself really returning to the genre. And so I'm trying to, to kind of get some of those classics down, but parable of the sower is, is almost unrelentingly related to what we're going through right now. Um, and it's, 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 I'm finding that it's presenting truths that I don't necessarily love to engage with. You know what I mean? Like it, th- because it, sure it, it feels difficult. And, and similarly, um, you know, we've noted in the, the newsletter, the sidecar newsletter, which of course you can sign up for at aquariumdrunkard.com. Well, I just finished putting together this week's edition and it's extra long, uh, so that people have, lots of cool stuff to check out from our site and and beyond. But we've noted in the newsletter in the past, you know, sort of William Gibson's recent output, his book, The Periphery, and now the new one, Agency. Right. And these are both, you know, books that take part in, in, uh, in these various timelines. And, And in one of these timelines, this basically this apocalyptic event, uh, that they kind of colloquially, colloquially refer to as the, uh, as the (laughs) jackpot, uh, has occurred. And, and the jackpot's interesting in terms of apocalypse, uh, forecasts because it's not a one thing happening. You know, that's often really the way a lot of science fiction kind of always was predicated on this one big event occurring, you know? Um, but Gibson, who is, I think a really smart and savvy guy at writing about, right now under the guise of writing about the future or the near future. Um, you know, he sort of with the jackpot posits the idea that it's not going to be one big thing that brings everything crashing down. It's going to be a long sustained series of disasters, you know? Uh, and I just finished a a great book called infinite detail by Tim Mahan. I think Mahan's his last name. I, I, I could be, I could Mm -hmm. be pronouncing that wrong and I apologize if I am, but similarly, you know, it was, it was kind of a series of crashes that, that led to a kind of a new, um, a new paradigm. And what I guess is scary about that is obvious, you know, uh, everybody's afraid of the idea that things might look very different than they look right now. Um, but at the same time, I got to wonder if, if this, if this strange moment gives us an opportunity to reflect on what we think is actually really important and what we're most afraid of losing right now, that's probably the stuff that we need to set up better protections for in the future. Um, that's where my head's been a lot. I was thinking about the, the jackpot scenario a couple of days ago, I spoke to my brother who lives in North Carolina and I don't know if you've heard this in the news, but they've been having uh, an E. coli outbreak. Oh, no. So not only are they dealing with everything that the, the rest of the world is, but, uh, you know, their, their water source was compromised. Yeah. 
so they're dealing with uh, with COVID nineteen plus E. coli and water shortages and, and rationing, and yeah, in the jackpot idea that uh, it, it seems a lot more a lot more sound when it when it comes to people that write hard sci fi of what what could really happen, how things probably would unfold, um, you know, versus one one singular event. I do think that we could be on the precipice of a shift in the paradigm. Um, you know, we're all running around like crazy in the year 2020, and this is forcing us to to slow down a bit. It's it is um, it's kind of laying bare the cracks in the foundation that that can sometimes be ignored when things are mostly functioning normal. You know what I mean? But but right now we're looking yeah. at people who you know the gig economy is 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 a very tenuous yep. thing. And everybody from people who drive for rideshare services to people who deliver food for restaurants, um, you know, you've got that whole subset of people. And then obviously you and I, well, the service industry. industry, And and so you and I know, you know, almost everybody I know either works in record stores or at a bar or uh, at a venue and, and in my day job, mm-hmm. you know, my work with Zia Records this week, it was just, I mean, so many things had to be postponed, you know, record store day was postponed. Um, you know, events have mm-hmm. been, have been canceled or moved or, or they're in the process of moving, but no one's sure when to move them to. There's a lot of schedules that have to get lined up for this stuff to, to be, you know, put into place in the first place. So, um, I think we really are seeing like, boy, it's going to be, it's going to, this is going to require massive adjustments no matter what that's if, even if crisis is avoided, you know, this is massive adjustment territory, but at the same time, it, it really does make you wonder, you know, you know, we're, we're looking at a time where a lot of people are going to ask themselves hard questions about what, what matters right now. And, and is your health care being tied to your job? Is that always going to work? You know, um, what if your job goes away and it's not because you were bad at it? It's because it's because a, a contagion yeah. shut the economy down, you know? So I think a lot of people really are asking, these are some questions that have been like kind of circling around the national conversation for a really long time, obviously. But, but right now they, they do seem to be sort of being drawn into sharp relief, you know? This situation is, is definitely poking holes in the fabric of all this stuff we're talking about. And obviously this is a, a music podcast and that's true. It goes, it goes without saying that a lot of our friends, a lot of the musicians we know, they spend a lot of their year on the road playing live. Is that that's right. is one yeah. of the, one of the last uh, bastions of being able to, to make money as a working musician. And that has suddenly, uh, disappeared. I know you and I were talking offline um, about a, a number of our friends who are in um, pretty bad spots right now in terms of, of what they're going to do with with festivals being canceled, with gigs being canceled, and counting on those those larger paychecks to sustain them. Yeah, absolutely. There's that, that's such a huge. You know, I work in physical retail. You know, for for music. You know, and 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 that's. That's that's one way that you can help musicians right now is that if you can figure out a way to buy a record or buy a CD or buy a shirt or buy a poster, you know, um, if you can do those things safely, that definitely helps them right now. But the fact of the matter is, you know, it's a live economy for those for those people, you know, for people who make their living in the arts. 
the main way they're able to keep the lights on and pay the rent is, is getting out and, and playing music in front of people. And as everybody is collectively, and I think correctly trying to limit that sort of thing, it just, it reveals not only how, how fragile that kind of economy is for, for performing musicians, but also I think, and this is another thing that we've, we've both shared with each other. I think we're looking at what could be a very difficult time for people, um, who kind of count on that sort of connection. You know what I mean? Uh, right. If your social scene is, is built around seeing music you love and in, in, in engaging with art and, and the people that you're friends with are also, they've built their lives around that similarly, you know, I think that right now, and I think this is why we're, we're trying to do this podcast in a little bit more of a, an immediate uh, way is, um, is that right now those people really need to be reached out to and connected to, you know, we saw this week, uh, Kevin, Kevin Morby, you know, did a, a cool live stream on his Instagram, yeah. uh, Sarah Louise, a great guitarist, uh, who we, we really love her records. You know, she did something similar, you know, where you're, I think you're seeing people try to use these, these platforms, which we've, all known for a really long time have a negative side, you know, social media and all that stuff. But I think you are sort of seeing the positive potential of that stuff too right now. Do you feel that way? Uh, you know, with like the aquarium drunkard social media channels that, that they, they do provide a tool that is, is of yeah, use right now. I think so. I think you and I aquarium drunkard as a whole, we're, we're in a, an interesting in a, in a good place. I think in terms of, I don't, I don't want to use the word diversion in any kind of pejorative way, but I think, uh, maybe, maybe the word is relief Yeah, that we could, uh, you know, again, it, it's very easy to get, to get caught up in, uh, this, this endless cycle uh, of news in fear. And I think not unlike an artist doing a live stream, I know we've discussed, you know, doing these podcasts more often, trying to, um, put together maybe some real time DJ sets. I think, yeah. Those kind of things, again, relief could could uh, provide some sort of, of solace. As you know, you and I were both uh, in a position where we're married, uh, we have families. So when it when it comes to you know this social distancing, this the self quarantine, that's going to look different for us versus maybe someone who is alone and doesn't have any family near them. So that's right. Yeah, I think. There are times you know, in my life where that would have described me. You know what I mean? Exactly. Me, me too. Me too. So I think that, you know, offering uh, some sort of lifeline in terms of providing some context to to engage with like-minded people, I think that's important. You know, we're not doctors. We're not scientists. But this is what we do day in, day out. And uh, we're going to we're going to try to ramp that up. Yeah, I, I think it's it's. I, you know, trying to find the right balance between being, um, informed and keeping on top of the situation, like that's one side of it. And then there's this sort of other side of it, which is just to completely check out and just, you know, bunker down and, and block out all of the news from outside. Um, I think there's probably some middle ground. That's probably a healthy place to be. Yes. And, uh, uh, a delicate balance. Yeah. And I, and, but I do think that, that, um, at least our hope with Aquarium Drunkard and with this this episode and, and other things that we're trying to do um, is to just give people a little bit of uh, 
of an, of an ease, you know, to like ease, ease yourself for a little bit because, um, endlessly hitting refresh on your sites, that's, that's not going to, it's not going to help you in the long run. You know, you can, you can check in every couple hours and get up to date. Um, and, and you can make time to listen to records and, uh, and also, I mean, just as far as it goes at Aquarium Drunkard, uh, you can, you can find our contact info on the site and, uh, and, you know, I keep my, my, my DMS open on Twitter too. So, I mean, I really honestly have been trying to reach out to as many people as I can in this time. Um, you know, family, of course, but, but friends too. And, and friends who I know don't talk to, you know, don't have the same sort of like family structure that I do, you know, support system. Uh, and, and I've been trying to just like check in on people and asking friends, Hey, how are you, unwinding every now and then how are you unplugging you know because that stuff is is valuable um and i think that uh you know turning to records and turning to movies and turning to books like that is a very valid thing to do right now because art i mean i don't want to sound like uh you know like a, like we're in the freshman dorm you know but art <laughs> but art art is powerful and it, art is important and art is about human you know, human nature and human interaction and human themes. So like, you know, sitting down to watch a movie or, or to read a couple chapters from a book or, or, you know, dragging out some records you haven't listened to in a while. Like those are very valid responses to this moment, you know, because you, you do need to give yourself that, uh, that room to breathe a little bit. So, you know, Justin, I, I wonder, um, what, what have you been listening to lately? What, what have you had to, what, what have you dragged out and, and thrown on the turntable or, or played on the Sonos or whatever? Oh man. Well, it, it depends, uh, what my seven-year-old is up to. Cause that, sure. <laughs> that, sure. that kind of, that kind of dictates what what's we're listening he been, to. What's he been listening to? Oh man. Let's see. Last night he dragged out his... Casio keyboard, his drum, his, uh, he's got like this spotlight. And then yesterday he made out of this big piece of cardboard, he grabbed all these Christmas lights and created this like really cool design on this giant piece of cardboard. And then that was his backdrop and he put on a quote unquote show last night. No, man. So you should have live streamed that. Man, I, I put some of it on the on the stories, but okay. yeah, we've just been, uh, we've just been trying to, you know, keep creative. We, uh, we've been doing a lot of drawing and all kinds of stuff, but, um, man, me personally, let's see, uh, I've been, I've just been kind of going back to the well. And I know about a year ago we had a podcast episode where we were talking about, um, one of our news resolution was to shop our own collection, I've been doing, I've been doing that. I've been pulling a lot of, a lot of old favorites out, a lot of familiar records. How about yourself? Um, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been listening to, um, I've been listening to that new Stephen Malcolmus lately. Uh, weirdly I haven't enough. Heard it yet. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's, you know, you got Matt Sweeney on the record and, and right. he is, um, you, you know, usually a pretty good, uh, sign that a record's going to be good and, and, absolutely the case with this one a ton of neil young lately a lot of the super electric stuff i've been listening to year of the horse a lot um right i think uh i I mentioned on you know on twitter that i've been listening to 
that first early day miners record, which secretly Canadian just reissued. Yeah. They just reissued that. Right. Yeah. And you know, I had paid attention to those dudes back at the time, you know, it's like kind of slow core. That stuff was sort of my, was sort of my bridge from, uh, from like my, my punk rock and, uh, emo sort of influence taste, uh, Uh into, into like kind of weirder, more experimental stuff, or at least what seemed experimental to me at, you know, you know, 19 or whatever. Um, but yeah, that, and, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's, you kind of reach for like comfort picks, you know, I'm looking at records that I have sitting out right now and I've got Dennis Wilson's Pacific ocean blue sitting here. And, uh, uh, I got a, I got a live Rashid Ali quartet, uh, record that I haven't, I haven't put on yet. Um, and so there, there's stuff, but, but yeah, like trying to keep it, trying to keep it pretty, uh, pretty mellow. A lot of John Martin. I've been on a huge John Martin kick and, uh, and, and our recent, the recent, you know, rock Plost, uh, set yeah. that, that Tyler Wilcox yeah. wrote about for aquarium drunkard that sent me off on a, on a one world, uh, sort of, uh, rabbit hole. And I've just been listening to that record. And then the, the bonus tracks from the extant expanded edition and that uh-huh. rock lost set. So, so John Martin has been, a. um, a very good, uh, and comforting thing, but it's weird cause it's music that's, that's beautiful, but it's, it's still also kind of spooky and mysterious. So I haven't been going for the most part for like pure, uh, uplifting sounds, you know, but, uh, sure. but I'm sure that that stage will come at some point, you know? Right. Yeah. The, the various stages of, uh, of self, so what are we calling self-isolation, S- uh, self-quarantine, social <laughs> so, distancing, so, social distancing, uh, which would have been a great band name in the nineties. Yeah. We'll have to start like a new, a new series on aquarium drunkard, you know, uh, plague playlists or something right, like that. Like it's right. a, you know, oh man, I popped both of those peas really hard on the podcast, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, so, so that's, you know, how about, how about, how about watching? Have you been watching some movies? I think you, you sent over uh, a text to me that you watched that bizarre new Nicolas Cage movie, the color yes, of space, right? Which, um, which if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll be reading about in your inbox tomorrow. But yeah, I, I did watch that the other night. It was great. I mean, it was the same people that did Mandy. And if you like bizarro Nicolas Cage and you're really into Lovecraftian cosmic horror there's there's a lot to love about this movie um yeah, yeah i watched and, and that richard, and richard <laughs> richard stanley's the director right the yes. guy who who infamously sort of tried to do the uh what was it that he the, the island of dr moreau yes the island of, with uh it was well as one of um one of the last films i believe with with marlon brando right oh, yeah, brando yeah i believe it was one of his very last films was that, I mean, Lovecraft is not exactly comfort food for, for most times. Was that, was it, was it enjoyable though? It was, but again, like I love that kind of stuff. And yeah. I think immediately afterwards I, I watch existence for the first time in 20 years. So I was kind of in that, <laughs> in yeah. that zone the other night. Um, what else? I, I watched, uh, some of the second season of Westworld as I never paid attention to it when it came out. And I know they're about to release a new season, which looked interesting in the trailer. So I was trying to figure out what I missed out on that season. Um, how about yourself? You had any good, uh, any good flicks on? 
Yeah, my my wife got me the Criterion channel, a subscription to that for for um, Christmas last year, and so I've been trying to uh, to to watch a lot of stuff on Criterion Channel. And the one that's been on my list forever was the 1991 sci-fi movie uh, Until the End of the World, the Vim Vendors movie. Yes, and I had never seen it. And as of this this recording of our podcast, I have watched half of it, and I, I I know that it's sacrilege to break a movie like that into two, but it is uh, it, it is it is five hours, so I feel like yeah, uh, it's a it's a commitment. I love it though so far. I mean, and what an incredible soundtrack from the the from Nick Cave to you know REM and and Lou Reed. T-Bone Burnett doing some great stuff. There's a great Julie Cruz song on there. So it's a really good soundtrack. I had never listened to, uh, the city city and the crime solution. Uh, they have a song on there called adversary, which is, I guess this, it's kind of like a, kind of like a Leonard Cohen kind of jam that for whatever reason, I just had never quite heard that one. And, uh, and I, I don't know. It. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, it's I'll have to check it out. It's, it's really good. And, and, and the film is great so far. Um, I really enjoy it, but I had to, had to break it down, uh, into two chunks. Um, I feel like that's one of the great things just about criterion collection is you're you're able to get a lot of stuff that has been previously unavailable through other streaming platforms well yeah just last week i watched uh a a movie um you know this early example of um of black cinema that um the the film was called um hang on i gotta see if i can get this right yeah, the film, which is a 1980, 1941 film called The Blood of Jesus by, you know, it was written, directed, and starring this guy, Spencer Williams. Um, mm-hmm. And this film was, it was basically impossible to see for a lot of its its history, you know? They've got that on there. And so I've been trying to explore those those crevices. Um, and there's tons of great stuff. And, and now's a good time to watch that stuff because it's it, it is fundamentally uplifting to see this great art that was made by people. You know something I think you would like? Are you familiar with Fandor, the streaming service? I I am familiar with it, but I've never signed up. It's relatively inexpensive. I think it's five bucks a month, but they do a really good job curating a lot of art house and underground and kind of uh, forgotten about films. But I recently watched, and I plan on writing this up for our sidecar newsletter as well, it came out in 2011. It's Gainsbourg, A Heroic Life. Have you seen this? this no, is a, a documentary. It, it, no, it's it's a it's a it's a film, and it is about Serge Gainsbourg, but it's done in a really um, just fantastic, surreal way. It takes the basic touchstones from his life, um, but very much puts them into. I don't want to say caricature but a, a near character and it's done with a lot of uh a lot of humor but um yeah fandor is is another another great resource in terms of finding some films a lot of foreign films that yeah um, haven't really made it to um, some of the more mainstream streaming platforms you know i guess other than other than that I, i've I'm usually always watching a lot of Star Trek, but I'm, I'm, st- I'm watching a lot of Star Trek. Uh, uh-huh. uh, I really wish I liked Star Trek Picard, the new show. I really wish I liked that more. I don't, but I am watching it. Um, but, uh, 
but episodes of the original series and uh, and the next generation have been pretty uh, pretty mellowing, especially the next generation. I think that's actually one of the great underrated like new age calming shows of the nineties and mm-hmm. the eighties. Uh, it's kind of got like an ASMR quality to it as well, um, <laughs> which I. I I think I enjoy the the softness of the next generation. It doesn't always create for the, doesn't always allow for the the, the most engaging storylines. But atmospherically, I think it's it's maybe my favorite of the shows. And I've been watching just a ton of high maintenance on HBO. We've talked about this a little bit, but this yeah. show that that Katja Blitchfeld and and Ben Sinclair have done, where it's just these series of vignettes and and kind of short stories, sometimes connected, but very often not. Um, I, I've, I've really been enjoying that show. And I think that for a lot of people who, who love Joe Para talks with you, which is another great recent sort of calming show, sort of like this descendant of, you know, fishing with John, uh, the John Lurie fishing cable access kind of mock uh-huh. cable access show. I think that these, both of these shows, high, high maintenance and Joe Para, they kind of get, into something similar, you know, where it's, it's calming and it's, and it's, and it's kind of sweet, but it's not saccharine and it's engaging and it's giving you a lot to feel, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, that, that's sort of, that's sort of where, where I've been at, um, in between, you know, obviously hitting refresh on the Twitter feed and, uh, sure. typing up in, in, in insane, your bunker, <laughs> yeah, in my bunker, typing up <laughs> insane tweets and then, uh, saving them as drafts, you know, cause I don't want to seem like, uh, like I'm losing my mind. Uh, right. But right. writing them out helps me a little bit. Um, and we'll have to save this for another, another show, Jason, but I did finish Twin Peaks, the return a couple months ago. Okay. Um, which you and I had dedicated a podcast episode, what, about a year ago about right. and it Twin was, Peaks and how I hadn't seen it yet. It was so. about how you hadn't seen it. Yeah. We'll do a follow yeah. up of that. Um, yeah. We've, we've got a bunch of other ideas that are, um, you know, topics and, and, and I think that um, once we get the hang of sort of doing this a little bit more regularly, um, we'll be able to slot in some some more interviews and, and, and a couple things like that. In addition to, I think, Justin and I just sort of rapping about all of this stuff. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's weird time. It's strange times. But again, as we talked about at the top of the show, uh, Jason and I just thought that this is this is a good opportunity to make this a little more um, off the cuff, ad hoc, uh, what have you. Yeah. So before we uh, before we maybe call this one uh, uh, to close, uh, I wonder if you had any any additional thoughts that you want that you want to share about uh, about how you are you're handling this. Well, well, real quick, are you are you reading anything right now? Do you got any books any books handy? Yeah, I am reading the latest release from the late author uh, Larry Brown. They oh, have yeah. collected all of his his short stories. And this came out, I guess, about a month ago. Um, are you familiar with his work? I am familiar with with some Larry, some of Larry Brown stuff. I've read, I've read uh, Big Bad Love. Am I saying it right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, this this is late, his his latest uh, posthumous collection. It's called Tiny Love: The Complete Stories. Um, he was a Mississippi author, just super super talented. Uh, he passed away, I'd say, uh, ten years ago, a dozen years ago. But he, he's one of those guys who I devoured everything he put to paper. So, yeah, Tiny Love, uh, this latest collection of all of his short stories. I've been reading a few of those um, a night. And 
you know, I've been, we've talked about this before, but over the past maybe 18 months, uh, I've been taking in a lot of stuff through Audible. Yeah, which yeah. I know that you use as well. Yeah. Um, it's a nice thing to have around. It's it, especially if, if like me, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly well acclimated to listening to podcasts and, and, uh, and I do listen to a fair amount of them, but, but audible is a nice alternative. You know, it's like a podcast where somebody thought out every single thing that they're going to say, which is kind of nice. Yeah. It's, I, I really enjoy it. I, well, uh, with the caveat, I cannot do fiction on it as I usually am using audible when I'm out for a run. Yeah. And that's, right. that's typically when, uh, I just, I let my mind wander, but nonfiction is great. It's been, uh, it's been really great, but most recent audiobook I'm listening to, it's called the adventure's son. Have you heard about this one? No. Um, yeah, again, this is nonfiction. Uh, it's a memoir. It's about, uh, the author's name is Roman dial and it's about his son, got lost in Costa Rica. And this is about him trying to find his son. Um, I won't give anything away, but uh, it's it's a multi-year quest uh, to see what happened to his son in the jungle. Um, But yeah, that sounds, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty intense read came out, I think uh, maybe two months ago. But anyway, it's called The Adventure's Son, a memoir. Um, it's available to Audible or print or however you you take in your books here in the, uh, the 21st century. Yeah, on Audible, I'm listening right now to, um, to David Brown's Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young biography. How is that? Oh, man, it's wild. These, these are some crazy dudes. <laughs> I, I love them all. Um, yeah. You know... Some more than others, Stephen Stills is occasionally rubs me more uh, more wrong than some of the other guys. Uh, oh wait, check this out. Not to cut you off. No, but, do it. Um, so one of my man, one of my favorite records from that extended crew is a Stephen Stills record called Manassas. Do you know that record? Oh yeah, I mean Manassas rules. I should I should point that out. He, it's, he he's amazing it's, when he wants to be a amazing. Tre- tremendous record. Yeah. Um, but anyway, maybe this is probably, I don't know, eight years ago, I was thinking, you know, I really need to interview Stephen Stills. I need, I need to get this done. So I, uh, I got online and I looked it up and to interview Stephen Stills, whoever he's associated with, you have to pay, I think it's like a $60 fee to even put in a request. Oh my God. To interview the man. Yeah. And so I was just like, you know, <laughs> you know what? I don't think I'll be interviewing Mr. Stills. Man, yeah. he's a... Uh, Leave it to the record. He's super interesting. Uh, you know, we, we featured, you know, a ton of writing about Neil Young on the record and I mean, on the site rather, uh, Neil's obviously, uh, like a, a vast subculture unto himself. Um, and then we've had a couple interviews with David Crosby, who's a, like a truly engaging and delightful interview. Um, yeah. And then I know, you know, as far as Graham Nash goes, we've got some stuff up on him. Songs for beginners. Another one of those records I've been listening to a lot lately. Mm-hmm. But listening to the, to the to the story of the four of these guys and the way they interact and the way they hurt each other's feelings and the way they come back and then the way they hurt each other's feelings again and the the ups and downs creatively it's a, it's a really good book um, so that's what I've been listening to on Audible and then I've been working my way through Space is the Place uh, a, a a biography about 
Sun Ra. Um, uh-huh. and that's been, that's been great. Uh, working my way through, um, the journey of Al- Albion Moonlight, which is a Kenneth Patchen kind of experimental novel. Um, and then I try to keep, you know, some sort of like, uh, some pithy pulpy paperbacks around, um, and cause I like to dip into those too. So I've got a, a few kind of like cheesier sci-fi things, uh, sitting up here. I've got the whole Greenwich trilogy that, um, that, that Jesse Jarnow wrote about a couple weeks ago for his yes. links and postage column. I've got those sitting here and I think I'm probably gonna, probably gonna read those this week just to have some fun counterculture sci-fi. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's sort of where I've been at, uh, you know, along with, like I said, the, the Gibson and the, uh, Octavia Butler stuff. So, um, well, you just reminded me of something and I think this is something you and I, we'll make a point to be better about on the podcast with this kind of looser format. Um, Jesse Jarno does an amazing column once a month on aquarium drugger called blanks and postage. And I think, yeah, we'll, we'll try to highlight more of what's happening on the page um, yeah. here on the podcast, just to kind of remind you all of, of what's happening. Cause we have a lot of content constantly going up and I know it's hard to, keep up with, with everything out there, but yeah, we'll try to, we'll try to remind everyone. So the stuff doesn't get kind of lost in the ether. Yeah. We'll, we'll get, we'll get Jesse on the podcast too, to talk about some of, some of what he's up to and, and, and the various people who do columns, you know, on aquarium drunkard, which obviously you can, you can go to the site and we've got it, you know, laid out, uh, for, for easy navigation, plenty of those lanyap sessions, all sorts of really exclusive, uh, covers from, from great artists. Um, you know, we just published some stuff by Ben Watt last week and, and there are some others on the way very soon. So there's a lot to listen to plenty of mixtapes, uh, Tyler Wilcox's quarterly band camping feature, which is always like, I always get so much out of that. Like he's, he's got his ear to the ground and he, you know, highlights all sorts of cool stuff. So there's that, um, you know, the podcast archives, we've, we've got quite a few of those with some, some great talks with all sorts of interesting and strange people, you know, people from everybody from Gillian Welsh to Tim Heidecker, you know, you've got, there's a lot, there's a lots of stuff. Yeah. There's, the, there's a lot going on in the archives. So, so obviously drop us a line, you know, keep in touch with aquarium drunkard. Um, you can find Justin on Twitter at aqua drunkard. Um, I'm on there as my name, Jason P. Woodbury and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, I think right now we just want to encourage people to reach out and share what is uh, sounding cool to them and what they would like to hear. And if you have any, you know, I guess ideas for what Aquarium Drunkard could do, you know, hit us up. We're in the midst of figuring out how to maybe do some live DJ stuff, either through streaming services or maybe some sort of live stream where we've got a camera set up and we're live on something, but we're going to keep working on all that. And, um, and without being crass, if you can head over to the Patreon, you know, patreon.com backslash aquarium drunkard, um, you can chip in a little bit and help us as we, as we work on this stuff, you know, we're, trying to use those funds to, to get good content for the site, to maintain what we do, to pay for the considerable, you know, costs of, of hosting all this stuff. So, um, if you can chip in on Patreon, like I said, I don't want to be crass. I don't want to do a, I don't want to do a plug per se, but yeah, you know, no, it's I, worth noting. We, we, we are not very heavy handed with this stuff. You know, it's, it's 2020 and I think it's easy to, 
to forget that, you know, all the stuff, it does take uh, finances to keep it running. Um, yeah. And in, in the times we're living in now, you know, we're discussing this, but there's a lot of, of writers that are suddenly out of work um, that have been hitting us up wanting to contribute. So whatever you can do helps. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, mostly just uh, just stay safe out there. Yeah, stay safe. Keep in touch. Check in on your friends, and uh, and we'll be back next week with uh, with more discussion from uh, from the uh, contagion contagion era of aquarium oh, drunkard. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Well, Justin, uh, stay safe, and uh, I'll talk to you really soon. Sounds good.